Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. In this episode today, going to be a pretty much reaction episode to all of the news that's come out. Obviously, maybe not a ton of league news, but recently the timeline has pretty much blown up since our last podcast. We've had pros, personalities, owners, former pros, current owners, everybody chiming in, talking about the state of Call of Duty, not only the game, but the CDL and competitive Call of Duty in the content side as a whole. So we're going to really dive into that and give our thoughts on it today. But before we get into that, Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, it's it's that kind of time of the year where uh, you kind of start you you start forgetting what day it is, kind of. <laughs> um, just because, like, you know, there's back there's like Christmas backs right into New Year, and then uh, you know, it's you they 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 were both on weekends this year, so you kind of just start forgetting what day it is. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we had some family stuff going on and just like you know a lot of stuff to kind of just distract you from the the calendar and you know what's been going on uh which isn't you know it's a welcome relief but uh you know the reality is starting to hit back in now <laughs> uh we're in the dead of winter and uh yeah it's just uh you know ho- hoping to get some uh some good uh call of duty coming up here soon to you know kind of bring some light back in but uh i i won't hold my breath on that one yeah, we were we were counted down. We figured out this episode and one more are the last two episodes before we have some predictions and some real COD to actually talk about. Because coming up in about, what, two, three weekends from now, we have the Kickoff Classic. So we're actually going to see our first taste of real. I guess it's not the Kickoff Classic doesn't have anything to do officially with points, but teams are going to be going relatively hard and we're going to at least get a decent look at what they're going to look like this year. So I think we're both excited for that to actually have some official matches to look on not just scrims where you never really know how hard people are going um, but before we get into all the news if you guys would drop a like comment and subscribe on this video that'd be greatly appreciated or check us out on the audio platforms um, we've been having some pretty good feedback had a lot of new commenters over the last few weeks as well and we love interacting with you guys um, it's honestly our favorite part about the podcast and when we post it is interacting with all the current and new members that join the community so if you guys could do that it'd be greatly appreciated but we're just going to dive right into the news. Like we said, it's going to be an episode full of reactions to the recent news on the timeline and the flank and the optic podcast and just everybody talking about Call of Duty and its future. And we're going to kind of join in on that conversation. So first thing, I feel like we should probably start out with the thing that kind of kicked that all off, which was Sensor and Nadeshot kind of going rogue on the timeline. And that got the whole community talking. Really, Sensor kind of started it, got some people to talk about it. And then when Nadeshot replied... That really, really kicked it off. Got Hex involved. Got a bunch of people involved. Adam Apicella gave us the solution to fix the Call of Duty League. Uh, I think we'll start out by uh, reading that Doug tweet that kind of kicked everything off. I think we'll definitely have some mixed opinions on this, so maybe we'll discuss that before we get into the Nade Shot tweets that he replied with. But the initial tweet that really got all this this unraveled was Doug saying the COD League would literally blow up if every team in the league streamed scrims. And the players simply acted like themselves. There will be a huge amount of people that will watch teams every day, and it will encourage new people to watch, create storylines, shorts, etc. Then he had a little follow-up tweet that said, uh, to see all these 48 guys collect a bi-weekly paycheck with quarterly bonuses to simply get on and scrim without thinking about the future of the game, then hop off and do nothing makes me so sick inside. Lots to unpack there, Kyle, but initial thoughts you have on Doug's tweet. Agree, disagree uh maybe parts you agree with parts you disagree with yeah this is a this is a lot here um you know first first of all when i 
checked the timeline. I think this is like the 30th or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. He tweeted on and, the 30th. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I hopped on Twitter. I was like, oh, okay. Like, okay. Um, scrolling through. And then all of a sudden I see like all these people just like, you know, tweeting like all this down bad stuff. And I immediately hop over to my DMS. And I'm like, <laughs> Ryan, what is going on? Like, did I miss something big? Like what did the game just like say that they're like, not releasing a title anymore or what's like what's going on with call of duty and uh so then we, we kind of got to the bottom of it with the whole sensor stuff but yeah uh you know he's saying that you know he he wants people to just stream scrims and kind of put mm-hmm. that out into the ether and use that for content purposes um I'm not exactly sure I agree that that's the way to blow the league up, as he would say. Um, I think that, uh, and I I think I've made this point before, is that, um, you know, I really think that they would be doing themselves a favor to kick off the competitive scene very early on in the game cycle. um, Just to capture that initial boom of players that are playing multiplayer. Absolutely. uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I think I could go a lot more into detail, but, uh, that's, I, I, I don't really agree with what sensor's saying with, um, you know, if we had these 12 competitive teams and like the players all like Twitch streaming their scrims on a daily basis, that that mm-hmm. would like grow the league more than it is now. Uh, sure. We might see an uptick in like Twitch viewership. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I definitely see where he's coming from, but I just, I'm not sure I have the same philosophy. I agree. I, there's like parts of it. I agree with, I don't think by any means pros streaming their scrims could, uh, could hurt at all. It, it wouldn't be a bad thing, but I don't agree that like if every team streamed their scrims, it would just blow up the league. Cause I think when Doug is looking at this, I think he's thinking of like the black ops two days when the optic team, streamed from the optic house their black ops 2 scrims like it was like blowing up which is 100 percent true but there's a lot of differences between that time period and that game and what we're currently playing i mean that time period was like the first team house ever like people were like super interested in that and black ops 2 is obviously like one of the like biggest booming games ever everybody loved it and i mean it was super popular and now it's like okay we've seen these players for a number of years this isn't brand new for them to stream their scrims and besides like a super heavy competitive audience like us that are just going to pretty much love cod no matter what just because we love the competitive aspect in the storyline so much like if i was just a casual call of duty fan there is no way i'm tuning into scrims because i mean this game is just not that good simply especially competitively so you don't want to sit there and watch scrims you don't care that much about the storylines when the game isn't that good if you're not a super hardcore fan so i don't necessarily agree that uh that streaming scrims is just an automatic way to blow up the league especially when the call of duty title isn't good but i agree from the standpoint that like if you're talking like generally as content if every team produced good content i do agree in that sense i just don't necessarily agree with the notion that it has to be scrims and then they'll blow up from that if that makes sense yeah i mean i think there's other ways uh outside of league matches to boost viewership um we have to remember that these guys you know they're you know, their full-time employment is playing Call of Duty. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times their scrims are taking place during a normal work day, at least for North America scene. 
Um, so it's not like mm-hmm. you know everyone has time to just like sit down and watch two series of respawn scrims, you know, at one in the afternoon or something. Uh, that Absolutely. being said, um, if we you know, maybe if uh, the CDL sanctioned more like weekend two Ks or um, you know just more things where you know you can get a little bit of competitive flair on the weekends or something uh you know outside of um you know these kind of makeshift tournaments where the teams aren't technically allowed to play under their team name you know it's kind of like a mixed bag of like content creators and pro players and stuff playing like you know tuscan hardpoint all day or something like uh i don't know i just feel like uh that might be a better avenue um mm-hmm. but you know the other point that Doug makes is that like they should be uploading more and you know making TikTok shorts and uh, yep all this stuff. I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I I think the statistics on uh, TikTok is that it has a higher retention um, or like on screen time than even Instagram or Twitter. Um, mm. So it technically is like the most like quote unquote addictive or you know captive audiences on tiktok so yeah um, and coincidentally i don't even have a tiktok i think i like i missed that boat by about like three or four years um <laughs> i'm 27 so i i definitely don't have a tiktok um just me personally but um yeah i i think that you know if if these players were uh you know at least had a social manager or something like that to specifically just like promote them promote like their competitive stuff on yeah, social tweet out media the clips or post the TikToks yeah, for them. Yeah, exactly. Like the players don't even have to do anything. They could just have like one or two social guys who like mm-hmm. are just like TikTok geniuses because I, I know it really takes like some kind of like, you know, skill gap to be able to like craft a good like to make a good TikTok. See, I'm I'm sounding like a boomer right now. Um <laughs> but yeah, I mean just if they had some kind of team support like that, um but I, I don't think we see a, a a lot of that in the current state. Yeah, I agree. There there needs to be, like you said, it doesn't even have to be the player specifically doing all the work. They can have social media managers and people to edit the clips for them. They just have to have either the stream on or the record button hit in order to actually have those clips. Uh, it's it's such an, a weird argument, too, because it really struck a core with a lot of the community. Like, I have a couple tweets from some of the pros, uh, like, I don't know. Simp was really saying like he doesn't like to do it because uh, like you can get a lot of people criticizing you in your chat and then it just kind of creates bad vibes and like a toxic mindset and some players in your team don't want it streamed. So then it just makes it unproductive practice, which I get because he is saying like I am a competitor first and my first priority is winning, which I also get. Uh, And then there was also Clayster when uh, he responded to Doug here. I'm pulling it up. Uh, Basically after Doug's first tweet talking about every team or the league would blow up if every team streamed the scrims. And then Clayster said, this is the most short-sighted thing I've I've seen you tweet. It isn't, or isn't it the league's job to encourage new people to watch, create storylines, shorts, etc.? It's a complete competitive disadvantage to stream. I'm more worried about the 500k in potential prize money than creating a storyline. Uh, that's when Sensor asked him to get on the flank and talk about it, and he's like, okay, it's just obvious you're baiting for attention. I'll sit here and agree with some of your takes, but this isn't it. Um, he's like, it was hell being on optic when we used to stream scrims all the time. Your business was everywhere all the time. It wasn't healthy. So kind of some of the other side of it too, you're seeing how clay is like, sometimes it's just not healthy to always have your stream on and everybody see everything you do as a team. It can get a really toxic mindset, which 
which I can also see, but uh, we also have some nade shot tweets to dive into. I don't know which ones you all have pulled up, but I have like the main one that pulled up that I really thought was important, especially as it relates to sensor. Yeah, so he he kind of had three tweets here um, that I'm seeing. I don't know which one you have pulled up, um, but I I, I think uh, he kind of the first one he just kind of outlines what the you know the grassroots of competitive was like these 526 to 500 or 256 to 512 team brackets, you know, for very minimal money, um, and kind of just how Activision's kind of just been. Uh, you know, not paying attention to the competitive community. And then he goes on to say, uh, quote, Call of Duty arguably has the most entertaining, outspoken, and personable players out of any esports community. Storylines and rivalries that literally span across a decade. Vanguard releases, and the league says, you're not allowed to compete on stream together until February. And then yeah. he tweeted a, uh, like a laughing, crying emoji. Uh, and then... Uh, his last tweet is just kind of saying that, uh, you know, he thinks he's the fool for going to the uh, the Hundred Thieves board and you know pleading for the money allocation to buy the uh, the you know what was the LA Optic spot and uh, you know getting in and now he's saying that he kind of looks like an idiot because you know he he saw this potential and it's kind of been you know slow to start so. Um, mm-hmm. So what, I don't know. What do you take away from that? Because the, you know, Nate Shot was kind of the other you know big follow up. Obviously, he's the CEO of a hundred thieves, the founder. Um, yeah, and pretty much like a founding father of Call of Duty esports as well, um, and really exactly. Call of Duty content in general. And the other tweet that I saw that I think also adds to this conversation that I wanted to say was he replied to Pac Man, Simp, a bunch of people uh, who let's see, Pac Man was talking about. Um, the classic argument you hear that I think is kind of a short-sighted argument as well that people like don't think of the counter to is he's like, Pac-Man says you should in no way have to stream scrims. It's not your responsibility and it's extremely lazy fix to the larger problem. We don't see Laker practices, Patriots practices, League of Legends practices, just not a real fix whatsoever, which I get where he's coming from, but like there's a pretty easy counter argument and Nate Shot provides it, which is the one I wanted to talk about a little bit. He says, I would argue that all those games and sports you listed are predicated on competition first. Call of Duty competitively was built by the player's relentless love for this game, not by the structure of the game itself. Entertainment needs to be showcased, which I think when people say like, oh yeah, you don't you don't get to watch NFL practices or NBA practices or like League of Legends or Valorant practices, the big difference is Valorant was specifically built to be a competitive game. League of Legends, the same. And obviously football, basketball, the pro sports are obviously built to be a competitive game that you're completely playing to win. Call of Duty is built as a casual game that ended up having a passionate fan base that created the competitive out of it. That's that's the big difference, which I think the people that compare it to League of Legends and Valorant, I don't think that's a good argument because, yeah, it might be nice that they don't have to stream scrims or create a lot of content because their game is naturally built for competitive. So all of the fans are fans of competitive because they play the game to be competitive like there is no real casual mode there technically is i guess but like nobody's really playing those games for like the casual side of it everybody's playing the competitive mode because that's what the game is built for where it's the opposite for call of duty call of duty is initially built for the public casual mode and then super passionate fans and the current pros really created it to be a competitive game so that's that's the one thing i really liked from nature i liked that side of the argument uh that kind of explains why we have to create content because Somebody who's coming over from League of Legends or Valorant might not fully get that. They're like, well, my 
why do you guys need content? My game doesn't have that, but I, I think that's a good side of the argument to talk about is, is how Call of Duty isn't a competitive game first. Yeah, I, you know, there's a lot, uh, and I think the uh, the eventual when we get into discussing like the flanks reaction to everything, they definitely discuss a lot of, uh, you know, they they kind of touch upon this as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, maybe I mean that Call of Duty is definitely a like a unicorn in a pack of horses. Not saying that it's like the very you know best esport out there. I think there's other esports that have like you know possibly more like com- competitive based games mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, but you know, it, it really arises from the passion of the players, and it's been manufactured and propped up by players and content creators and uh people like hex hash grenade shot uh who have had uh you know they've kind of sculpted this thing into being a competitive esport and absolutely i i don't know it's just a uh is it's i think that's a really good tweet um i i'm not exactly sure that that means that everybody has to stream scrims um, no, maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a compromise where, like, you know, uh, the CDL or somebody comes in and uh, they're like, okay, like you can practice. Obviously, they can't restrict how much you practice, but like maybe they could like just ask that you turn on your stream for one set of scrims per week or something. Just mm-hmm. to you know, just you know, maybe that would create more of like an event around it where people are like, Oh man, like, you know, Toronto and Florida are playing a scrim at, you know, 5 PM on Wednesday or something. So, you know, this is the one that we can watch. So we want to see how it goes or something. Uh, but you know, I, I think getting the results, uh, you know, I, I, there's a pretty good Twitter and obviously Reddit stuff, you know, they all like, they gather the meta results of the scrims and put them up and Mm -hmm. stuff. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's an easy one answer fix to this. Oh, there um, definitely isn't. Yeah. So those are kind of just my initial thoughts though. Yeah. I think the last tweet I wanted to just mention before we get into the flank reaction was some of the octane ones. Cause I think octane also had some good insight. Cause like, like you said, there's really no right answer. It's just interesting to see where all the pros heads are on the topic. And it, it was an octane and hex conversation. Um, kind of still revolving around the Doug tweets, Clay kind of subtweeted and said, I don't really get involved anymore, but trying to shift the blame of a failing ecosystem on the players is absolutely comedy. Uh, and then Octane, like jokingly said, players fault, no content. And then Hex replied, no eyeballs, no sponsors, no sponsors, no org, uh, no org business, no player salaries, no eyeballs, no sponsors, no sponsors, no attorneys. So he's basically like showing like the chain of the chain of events. What happens if you have no content to watch where you get no viewers, it turns into no sponsors, no business, no league, basically. And then Octane says living in the only esport where it's still the player's responsibilities to sustain their game. And then Doug basically says the mindset that I kind of like, and he says, you get it, Sam. That's how it is. Is it fair? No, but it's what we're at and it is what it is. So what are we going to do about it? Um, and then Hex kind of like got involved in like Octane was like, well, I mean, we're we're on the same side but we're just arguing with each other because we all have different opinions on the same side and he's like yeah you get it we're all arguing with the wrong people because we all agree that we need to grow this thing but we're not the people we should be arguing with because we're all on the same side but i liked doug and hex's mindset about like is it fair no but activision clearly isn't going to give us the support so what are we going to do just lay down and wait for them to give it to us 
uh, no, because it's not going to happen. So you have to do something to earn that support. And I guess just trying to get eyeballs in the game is a way that you could earn that support. So I like the mindset, but I did think it was interesting that Octane, I think, echoed a lot of what the pros are thinking. And maybe some of them didn't say is where like, it's amazing that they're living in the only esport where it's their responsibilities to sustain their game. But at the same time, I don't think we can rely on Activision to do that at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, look at people like Scump and the other, uh, like, Formal when he was a competing pro and stuff. Like, those were guys that would, you know, they took matters into their own hands. They always had the stream going. They were really interactive with chat. Or they still are. I don't know why I'm speaking in the past tense. Um, But, you know, they would, you know, stream the scrims and and then they would probably stay on for another you know, three, four, five hours post scrims yep. and just kind of vibe out or do whatever. Um, I think we see a lot of uh, successful personalities emerge from that passion. Uh, I know that that you know that's on their own time. Um, so you know, obviously, there's competing priorities with players. Um, it really comes down to how much time they want to put into their own brand and. Um, you know, income, I guess, because, you know, we, we see that, you know, Twitch becomes their second source of income aside from competing. So, uh, you know, I, I know that, you know, they, they talk, they talk a little bit about this in, uh, on the flank as well, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Activision, you know, they, they have a very vocal minority of their players, of their, uh, of their user base being this competitive scene. and you know, at what point does pushing them too hard just be like Activision would be like, hey, like this competitive thing isn't worth our time, so we're just gonna stop. Like, yeah, it's a w- danger. Would it ever? Yeah, I mean, like, would it ever come down to that point? Because obviously, like, they have so many more. Like, if they lost the competitive scene and stuff, like, would that really affect their bottom line too hard? Like, I don't. I, I'm not sure. I'm not saying I want that to ever happen, but like, you know, at what point do like does Activision just get fed up with like these like the the negative press and uh, just a really like you know a really vocal uh, social media scene calling them out for this? Um, I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I can 100% see where you're coming from. I think the only benefit we have on that end is. The, there's a lot of negative press around Warzone and pubs in general. Like the whole game has negative press from every angle, which for when you're part of the small community, that's good because they can't just hone you out as the only negative part and kind of take you out, which we're kind of in the, the smaller part of the community. So that's that's good, at least, I guess, for us in a weird, twisted way that all parts of the game are bad right now. Because, I mean, I have a friend that's a huge zombies fan. Apparently the zombies in this game is like the worst thing that's ever been created in a Call of Duty. Uh who knows about the campaign, but Warzone, everybody's complaining about it. Like every facet of this game is being complained about big time. So hopefully that kind of saves us uh, at least for a little bit because they can't hone in on us as the only negative part of the community right now. Um, but we can dive into some of like the flanks reactions. If you're ready to go on to that, we had obviously on the flank, it was mostly Zuma, uh, Krim, Aches, and uh doug sensor and then for a little bit like looney was in there and some other people uh somebody else was in there i can't remember Zane was in there for a little bit I hope Nameless shift. Was in there. yeah shift got in there for a little bit yeah you're right uh but like the main the main four were crim aches doug and zuma for most of it yeah uh, we can kind of talk about them a little bit 
uh, first thing was like their their general topic that they were debating was how to approach a state of competitive as a community. And I would say like the the two big sides to it were aches like saying we need to like somehow get there to be a change and get them to care about competitive in a way because right now we're just talking to a brick wall. And Doug was more on the side of like yeah that's not bad we do need to change things but like at some point like it's our job to like play the game so we just gotta like kind of just shut up and play and like deal with it which i kind of like a hybrid approach in my opinion because like i do think we need to get a lot of changes done and talking to the developers and like constantly like expressing our concerns with them is good on the side of aches but at the same time i also do like doug's idea that you kind of have to push through it but i absolutely hate doug's idea as a whole because just to shut up and continue to push through it that means things will never change and there'll never be any improvements so i do think we need to at least push through it to continue to have a league but i don't think we need to shut up while we do it i think we need to like you can maybe accept the fact that the game is in the current state it's in while you're playing so that you can at least get through it and play in the league and put out a good product for the fans but at the same time on the the behind the scenes part you need to be vocal and trying to get that change and talking about it so i, I don't know I don't really fully fall on one side, but I definitely don't uh, fully agree with Doug. There's no way we should just be silent and let them continue to put out an unfinished game that doesn't get care about, uh, care about competitive at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, this really come. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of as a national thing, we, we've seen a lot of like labor movements in the last um, little bit of like the actual, like current political stuff. And, you know, it's because of like, you know, these unsatisfactory working conditions and you know when it when workers and in this case you know these competitive call of duty pros that are you know franchise pros um you know the next logical thing if they're unsatisfied would be to walk out mm-hmm. and um i'm not exactly sure that that would ever happen with the pros i don't know if they would get the all 48 pros to walk out no. um It'd be tough to get those fringe pros that just got their chance to walk out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But, you know, that kind of comes down to the thing. uh, The argument is because Doug is saying like, oh, we, you know, you know, we just need to, you know, buck up and, you know, grind through it. But he doesn't really offer how there would ever be a solution. So we're always just going to have this cycle of the pros bitching and nothing changing. And then it's a new title and then they're bitching. Nothing changes. New title. Um, so I definitely, and I've always been a person that's like, you know, I'd rather do something than just sit around and complain because it's so, it's so cathartic to just sit around and be like, oh yeah, we're all just going to sit around and commiserate on how bad, you know, this, in in this case, this game is or how bad, you know, X, Y, Z is. Um, but if we're not actively putting our heads together and working for a solution, then it just gets to be like the self-indulgent, uh, you know, negative thought train and nothing ever good comes from that. Um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm calling for a walkout until the game changes, because I just think that would roll into like the CDL being like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, this Activision no longer supports competitive call of duty. So, you know, this is gone. Um, I could also see the CDL being like, Oh, all your rosters walked out. We'll find four new players. Right. Exactly. Challenges there. Like they might not care at all. And, you know, this kind of gets into that deeper discussion on the, uh, you know, how they tried to form a players union. Um, There's a lot more in there that, you know, you know, that's a whole 
discussion and you know would it even work uh or would the cdl just like block it like you know even though it's technically illegal to block the formation of a union would they just be like oh well you know we've uh we've evaluated the competitive call of duty scene and uh we just don't want to invest in it anymore so the cdl is done um you know because that would be a reason for them to just like roll it up and avoid this whole union thing but you know i in order to get any kind of change there needs to be whoever is like pulling the strings at the developer or the the company activision level uh they just need a whole new way of approaching it because you know we've seen this for multiple games in a row now like modern warfare into cold war into vanguard and i'm sure in every other title's lifetime life cycle there's always been this like continuous like bitching about what's the current state of affairs and uh I I just don't know how to solve it aside from, you know, making a competitive driven team or so. I don't know. It it just seems like there needs to be a whole nother shift of culture. Yeah. 100%. I, it'd be interesting too. Cause it seemed like we don't obviously don't know the full details about why that like players union fell through the first time, but it seemed like from what we heard, it was an issue of the players pockets being touched because uh, they had to pay dues to it and it was a lot of work which it seems like a lot of this situation is a lot because of people's pockets are going to get touched um, if there was a walkout so it almost seems like a lot of the same issues are at play where people might not get paid if they walk out and people didn't want to pay for that union and like all that extra work and it's going to be a lot of work to issue a walkout and to not get other players to sign and just play and it's it's a whole big mess, but at, at some point you've got to have some open communication. And like every time we get Treyarch around, it seems like that communication uh, pipeline gets pretty good. And we have an overall year where the players are pretty happy with the competitive side of the game. We get a lot of fixes to that side of the game. And then we go two years again with just no help, no pipeline. And it's like that's one thing that really makes it tough is that you don't have a constant development studio. Even if they're releasing a new game every year, if it was one development studio, it might be easier because you have the same people every time but i mean you only see them once every three years and half the employees probably change so maybe your old contact isn't even at the company anymore um so it, it makes it really tough uh i guess the second part about what they talked about in the flank uh is whether or not pros need to be more active on social media platforms to grow the game and their brand i think we kind of t- touched on that pretty good with the whole sensor and nade shot uh tweets and like the whole timeline kind of blowing up but from what they said like they kind of agreed as well that like players do need to be more active in some fashions, but like not all the people on the flank really agree that like they have to be producing like YouTube or stream content. But I guess from my side of things, as somebody who got into competitive call of duty through like randomly seeing, I mean, I just loved playing league play and black ops two. And like earlier before I really knew what competitive was, I just liked like the GB side before I even really realized there was full on tournaments. And then I remember randomly, uh, when I was homesick one day, I saw like a uh, highlight video of like the champs. And I was like, this is cool. And then I discovered optic and like watched a lot of their videos. So from somebody who firsthand got into the scene through uh, like content and social media and videos and stuff, I feel like there's a lot of people like that. So I do believe players need to be pretty active. And I don't really think there's an argument that can change my mind as somebody who firsthand got into the scene through content. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people like me out there that got into the scene through content. So I do strongly believe that players have to be active on social media platforms because not only if you want to be a selfish 
player and not even look at like I don't care about if the league grows or not. I'm a good Call of Duty player. I'm going to collect the paycheck until I can't anymore. Well, what happens when you're not good enough to play anymore? If you've grown your social media a lot, you have a brand and you can just coast right into being a content creator and maybe streaming or something after your pro career is done. So, I mean, I'm I'm a person that strongly falls on the side of players needing to at least try to grow their social media for not only the league but themselves. Yeah, definitely. And it like it kind of come, comes down to what I said beforehand with players being uh really their own best advocates on a second source of income uh with you know turning on the Twitch uh the Twitch stream and just or or doing something, uploading YouTube videos. I know uh there's been more players getting into that. Um it's kind of easy to tell that they're more just like they have a person that's uploading it for them but still like you know they're growing their channels they're put they're getting viewership numbers watch hours engagements um those are all good things for their own brands uh you know do all of them have personalities that are gonna transition perfectly into you know a post competing online presence career i'm not exactly sure um yeah I mean, we've seen that with obviously like Zuma uh, jumped out of competitive and started doing like these reaction, uh, you know, streams, and eventually that turned into the flank with Ben, and now you know now uh, Aches is coming into that, and it's like they've completely taken over the uh, like the competitive COD reactions slash podcast scene, um, and so that really just shows you know the the benefits of that and obviously you have people like scump and formal who are you know some of the biggest streamers out there in general um and you know to name some others i've seen like you know shotzi and dashy and uh i think illy's even gotten into streaming as well um and you know the list goes on you know obviously crim clay uh attach all these guys stream. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really comes down to the point of, uh, you know, how much do you want to invest in uh, growing yourself on social? And because we've seen that that really just ties into, uh, you know, growing your brand and growing, uh, growing the game at the end of the day. Uh, so. Um, yeah. And also, I, I don't necessarily like obviously every single player might not want to transition into beating content creator because you know flat out it just might not be for some of them uh, mm-hmm. by their own choice but I also think growing your social media to at least be somebody like even if you're not making constant content but at least you're like actively tweeting or maybe posting the occasional video like once a week or something and you're like doing something to produce some sort of way that fans can connect to you can also help you in the long run get a position of management at a team or a potential position at the developer to do something like we saw like Rambo and Merc do uh, and even Mud Dog like those guys all had positions at the developer I think even just having somewhat of a social media presence that you're respected by the community can get you in a position where I mean think about guys like Dens and Zed they're pretty well respected by the community because they were personable players who were at least active on social media and were well liked by the community and that probably along with their connections to the Boston organization, help them get a job there. So I think just even if you don't want to be a content creator, just having a decent following that shows that you have some credibility, because like like they said on the flank, 
I mean, besides like a few teams, like your optic, your envy, your hundred thieves, like when coming into the league, like a majority of them had no history in call of duty and had no idea what they were doing and like who was who in the community. So they went off a lot of the community's respect. So just with these teams that might not have a lot of experience in call of duty and more expansion teams that could be coming, just having a presence on social media that shows you're well-respected in the community might be able to get you a job that isn't even content related. Yeah. Uh, I definitely agree with that as well. Um, also, like for some of these teams that are, you know, kind of in the middle to bottom tier of like active social people, like they're not going to promote their own players. So it's really on the players to, you know, promote themselves. And that might be the reason why they get a chance next year or the year after that, because they've remained relevant. Like, like, let's just take like a hypothetical, like if, uh, like if one of the top tier teams had to look to replace a guy like one guy for next year and let's say you had like somebody like a like a decimate or a fellow on paris or somebody or temp on paris or john even like what if they all of a sudden are like promoting themselves a lot and they're getting into the content and everything uh and then you know it's they're they're remaining relevant and they're also you know performing halfway decently as well like that might be a reason why they get picked up onto a bigger team i think you would really Um, argue zinni's the perfect example this year he's a good player but i don't know that he's guaranteed pickup without his content oh yeah for sure like he he definitely would be in the consideration but you know he's been popping off in terms of numbers on his stream and like social media he's got to be one of the top guys out there that's not an optic so you could make an argument that he's the perfect living example of Somebody that, you know, is a good player and definitely would have got the look regardless, but social media boosted him to get a chance to play in the league. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a great example. I wasn't even thinking along the lines of, like, who currently has done that, but, like... Yeah, you know, obviously, Zinni is a good player, so that plays a factor into mm-hmm. it. But yeah. I certainly think he gets boosted, like, when they were looking, because they even mentioned, like, they want to create some content and stuff, and they want to be a popular team and have a good fan base. And, I mean... In terms of the players out there that aren't on Optic, Zinni is one of the top players to pick up in terms of that because he's been grinding his stream and is some of the better stream numbers. I've I gotta believe I don't know off the top of my head, but besides like Zuma and like Gump and I mean he might even have more than like Dashy. Like Methods might have more than like Dashy and Shotzi and Ilya and those guys because they haven't been in Optic as long and Dashy hasn't streamed as consistently. But like apart from like Zuma, Scump, maybe a few other people, like Methods is probably up there as one of the top subbed to cod pros so that that certainly is played i mean that's living proof that your point can at least be somewhat true yeah totally and i just uh yeah i mean if you're if you're gonna get looked at by any of these teams and you've been uh you know you've been keeping up your your end of the bar i i guess it's a it's still like a bargain like we said like um with promoting yourself on social media on uh on these platforms and stuff like you're kind of keeping yourself in the scene. It shows that you're still passionate that you want to stick around. Um, and I, I think that's a great example, uh, with Vinny and stuff too. And like, uh, it gives me hope for this 12th franchise spot as well. Like kind of getting into that because like, if, you know, I, I don't think Zinni is going to want to sit around and do nothing in terms of like team content or kind of promoting the team. I'm not saying they have to go out and do all these like, you know uh like crim bumming a sig in new york or something but uh <laughs> that was comedy yeah yeah i mean so i, I don't know but i mean like you know teams are putting in effort and that's i mean 
that's stuff that we like to see. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, speaking of Krim bombing a sig, not as related, but Krim kind of called out players for being coasters. Sensor was like along with that. Sensor was like, yeah, there's players who didn't want to name anybody by name. Krim straight up looked at the camera and said, "TJ Haley, I'm talking to you." <laughs> and then they kind of got in a little like exchange i mean i was gonna say heated but was it really i feel like they're like tj is definitely a troll crim obviously we know is a troll so like there's probably something behind tj being like a little upset that he was calling him a coaster and like he was calling him trash and they're gonna beat him at the kickoff classic and like i feel like it was half trash talk and half those two just kind of always have trolled each other since they teamed together uh so like a little bit of both but Krim specifically called out TJ. They said there's people that are coasting, which I 100% think has to be true. I mean, in any league, I feel like in any professional sports league, that's kind of the case. There are some people that are just there to collect a paycheck because they are good enough uh, and aren't really that motivated to get better. So, I mean, I don't think we had to spend too much time on that because that's like a known thing, but it, it was pretty funny when Krim called out TJ and they got into their little Twitter exchange. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure that you can look around the league and see who's kind of just like held on to these spots isn't really performing isn't doing anything on or you know is doing very minimal if anything on social or you know the streaming side to you know maintain or grow their popularity um but yeah i mean these are the people that are you know quote unquote coasting i guess um and they're just kind of you know showing up doing the minimum uh putting in the effort you know when when they're on the pay or when they're on the clock, but when it comes, uh, to, you know, caring or getting better and stuff, they're just kind of doing that. Like they're kind of just blah. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to call anybody out because I don't know everyone's personal situations, but I'm sure the pros could call each other out a lot more. Um, oh yeah. They know who's grinded and who's just yeah. putting in the minimum. Exactly. So I, yeah. I thought that was funny. And, uh, Anytime you get Krim, Krim and DJ going at each other, it's kind of funny. Too. <laughs> Anytime you get Krim going at anybody, it's going to be good. Exactly. All right. Next thing that was, I think is interesting, and this is something that there is no right answer to because it's a completely hypothetical situation, but Doug kind of talked about how without Optic, there is no CDL. And I think to some extent, everybody at least somewhat sees the logic or can agree with parts of that. Uh, but like Aches made the argument that like, yes, Optic had a huge part in it. No doubt. They're the biggest player in it. Hex, Nadeshot, Scump, mainly like those are the big players in it. But at the same time, he argued that like there would have always been somebody to step in there and fill that void, which I all, I see the argument because that typically is how things go. Like somebody is the one that takes advantage of it. Hex, Nadeshot, Scump, Optic, they were definitely the ones that took advantage of that void of content and filled it. Uh, especially in those Black Ops 2 days where we talk about them pretty much going to the moon for sure. But Aches made the argument that, you know, somebody would step in. I guess where I fall on this is I do agree somebody may have tried to step in, but who knows if they would have been as successful in stepping in. Maybe they would have been more successful. You never know, but I, I do mostly agree with the take that without Optic, there is no CDL. I, I also can see the logic that somebody else would have stepped in. But I mean, the reality is Optic is the one that stepped in. So that's what we have to work with. And I would agree that at this, from this standpoint, like if Optic doesn't step in and make so many people fans, like to this day, you still see a majority of the fan base being for Optic wherever they go. And that's because of that content that that work that they put in 10 plus years ago on Black Ops 2 uh, and where they carried it from there with all the team houses and everything. So I, I do agree that without Optic, there is no CDL because whether or not somebody else would have stepped in, the reality is Optic is the team that stepped in. They're the team that carried the popularity, and they're the team that still carries the popularity as we see 
80 plus percent of the fans probably in all honesty being optic fans. So I, I do agree that, you know, in general, there probably would have been somebody else that stepped in. But like I said, the reality is optic is a team that stepped in. So I really don't think there would be a CDL or a CDL that is nearly as big if it wasn't for optic kind of helping to grow that fan base so much. Yeah, that's totally a valid point. Um, I kind of, I, I did appreciate um, Ake's point too. when he said that it's really scary if uh if optic is the only reason that there's a competitive call of duty scene mm-hmm. um because i don't think in any other esport or sport in general like traditional sport that we see like you know the la lakers are the reason the nba exists or something or yeah uh the new york yankees are the reason baseball exists uh but then again the comparisons don't really match up too well so i'm not going to put too much stock into that but the point remains that uh it's to have the the total success of your business writ large predicated on optic um and even even, even existing into this day it's kind of concerning but at the same time i don't think we would be where we're at because i just think that optic you know they came in at the perfect time there was a confluence of desire for content and you know not even just competitive but like you know everything that they were putting out like yeah pop stomping that's yeah optic was big into like like uh they were big into sniping as well i that Mm -hmm. was a whole that's a whole like continues to be a whole call of duty subculture um like you had Scump uploading like the Sweat Bannon series uh, back in Black Ops yep. Two, like that n- nothing competitive about it. I mean, he was calling in like like a uh, a swarm. I think that was that was the one, right? Like a swarm or dogs or something. Like every like two yeah. seconds or something. Like on Bo Two, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, those aren't competitive. Like that's not competitive base, but just to see somebody like you know doing that, um, you know, the content side of that and. uh I don't know, but I, to this day, like if optic was to just like disappear off the face of the earth today, I still think that that might, (laughs) that might cause a, uh, you know, uh, a shakeup of like monumental proportions in the competitive scene. So I, I definitely see both sides of the, of the argument there. I mean, yeah, even if you do like a quick, uh, check through of like, I was just doing a quick check through of like the Twitter followers, the call of duty league count is 1 million. I mean, you've got Scump has 2.2 million. He's got over double what the entire, like, the league's page has. You've got Nadeshot with just under 3 million. He's 2.9, almost triple what the league has. You've got Optics, uh, like, team Twitter page, which has 3.2 million, which is over triple what the league has. So, like, you look at it from that perspective, and it's like, wow, like, every separate entity at Optic and the brand itself, even, like, Hex and Formal are, like, equal in followers, like, just every little entity that's like a big part of who optic is like their individual accounts have more followers than the call of duty leagues account, uh, which is saying a lot because I mean, there's more people following optic in general and optic doesn't really have much. I mean, they had their CSGO team, their halo team and stuff, but I mean, they weren't as popular in CSGO cause they went over there after call of duty. So like all the COD fans kind of still like them, but they didn't, I don't think they necessarily garnered like a ton of new fans and Halo, the scene at the time that they were in, just wasn't nearly as big. So there weren't as many new fans coming over from there. So that's pretty much strictly a Call of Duty audience. And they're really big time trumping the 
the followers of the Call of Duty League. So that's something interesting to look at. Um, last thing we've got in relation to the flank, though, they mentioned how the current commissioner of the CDL is a former NBA 2K guy. And you and I talked about this a little bit before the podcast. I think I'd rather get a little bit more into some of the other news we have. I think it's a little more interesting. But this, when I saw this, honestly, just kind of made me upset because I'm somebody that also, I mean, I'm obviously consider myself a, a pretty like deep member of the Call of Duty scene and have been in it for a while, competitive, casual, everything. But I also have been in the 2K scene for a while. That's something I don't think I've ever talked about that, but like I used to play some like competitive like Pro-Am back in the day, like 2K17 days. I've been playing 2K. Like I used to always play my team. I played a lot of like competitive park and um, Pro-Am. For any of you that have ever played 2K, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's basically when like you play with your my player uh, and it's either like if in park it could be 2v2, 3v3, or it could be an actual full 5v5 game um, that everybody plays with their my player on. And that community is one of the most toxic communities. And I would say, I mean, you guys that have played both competitive Call of Duty specifically and not even just competitive 2K, but just 2K in general, I think if there's one developer that maybe supports their players less than competitive Call of Duty than Activision does for competitive Call of Duty, it might be 2K for their players in general. They 2K every year just kind of the same issue as COD releases like something pretty much the same game and doesn't care about what the players say the issue are. Once they release the game, they don't care about fixing it and they're just like, okay, you paid for it. It's not our issue anymore to fix it, which is something kind of like what we see in the competitive scene. Like if there's one scene that cares less about their community than competitive call of duty it might be just 2k so a little scared to see that's a former 2k guy hopefully it's somebody that was super passionate and was just trumped by the bigger company and saying that they just didn't care about the community but man that's scary because you're really having a meeting of the two communities or the two developers that just don't care about their community at all <laughs> yeah i can't say i know too much about the uh the 2k um esports scene uh per se but uh yeah, I mean, we went from, you know, Joanna Ferries, and then she kind of moved up in the scene at Activision. Mm-hmm. Or um, it was like quiet when she did that. Like there wasn't much of an announcement. Yeah, and it seemed like she had a really good, um, you know, rapport with the ownership uh, people, or at least the people in ownership that were vocal, like hacks and people. Uh, but you know, she kind of moved up, and it seems like they brought somebody else in. So I don't know if you know, obviously promotions are a good thing uh for for those who are involved but um mm. i don't know like maybe this shows the amount of you know care that they're putting into the competitive call of duty scene I, i'm not sure I, I i don't know if i'd go that far um but you know we've seen progressively you know just adding this onto the list of grievances i guess uh so hopefully that this guy uh, you know, if he does have a big sway over the competitive uh, operations, I guess I should say uh, that he does a good job. So I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the interesting thing about it too is the 2K League. I don't even know if it's still around, but it's kind of a failed league in a failed esports. So it's interesting that you would hire somebody from a failed esport that 
when your esport itself in Call of Duty is struggling. So it's it's just a weird situation. And we don't even know who this person is. Like, I don't think they've ever said the name, which is also very odd. As the fans of the league, when Joanna Ferries left, we knew that she was the commissioner. But now that she's, I believe she's completely gone as the commissioner, she's on to like the head of competitive or something is her title at Activision. Uh, but it's just very odd that we haven't gotten like a public statement. Or, and if we did, I missed it as to who this new person is that's heading up the call of duty league. It's just, it's just super, super odd. Um, but we can move on from the flank talk. Now we've got really one more little podcast talk to talk about. And then some odds were released for the kickoff classic that we want to talk about a couple interesting nuggets from the, the optic podcast though. The one that was uploaded within the last few days, I don't know exactly what day it was, but obviously you never know the podcast can be recorded a week or two in advance. This one had to be within the last few days, at least because they talked about all the drama that happened on Twitter with Doug and nature, which happened on the 30th. We're recording this on January 3rd. So obviously that podcast had to be recorded in the last few days. Um, they talked about the importance of streaming to keep the scene relevant for the next generation of players, um, which we kind of talked about that enough. I don't know that we need to dive into that more, but like, Hex was talking about how he had conversations with multiple pros in the past and saying that like, yeah, you might not see the benefit of this streaming right now. Obviously you probably will in terms of your bank account, because if you're streaming a lot, you're probably going to be making more money as a pro player. That's just pretty much going to be true for all of them. If they stream, they're going to make more money than they currently are. But he was saying how it's important for you to stream because it'll create the opportunity for the next guy after you to make more money. Just like the people before you created this opportunity for you to make money kind of just, like a trickle effect for all the players to come. But the main thing that I thought was interesting from this, since we already talked about that streaming thing a lot was, I think it was formal kind of said, you know, what teams are playing you guys tough in scrims right now to scump after they were done talking about it. Like who are the best teams right now? And scump kind of sat there and he was thinking about it and he didn't really say anybody initially, which I mean, when I was listening, I was like phase phase phase. And then he didn't say it. And he like, still wasn't saying phase. Like this is weird. And then for almost like, well, it's gotta be phase. Right. And he's like, yeah, phase, but it was weird that he didn't just, didn't just instantly say phase so maybe phase isn't as like dominant early in this game because or maybe scum's ego is talking and he just doesn't want to admit that phase is super tough i'm assuming phase is still gonna be pretty tough to play but he said phase and then some shockers came out he said florida and zinni's team which was really weird so like florida and boston two teams that we honestly expected to be towards the bottom i mean this doesn't mean that they're going to be towards the top but interesting to hear him say that they're some of the tougher teams to play and then after I think formal kind of suggested it again, he's like NYSL and then Scump's like, oh yeah, yeah, NYSL stuff to play too. So the four teams he suggested, FaZe, Florida, Boston, and New York, kind of the toughest teams that they're playing in scrims right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat and, you know, get super into scrims right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, there's a bunch of different, uh, you know, CDL Scrim Intel on Twitter, great place to uh, get your live time updates on uh, Scrim results. Uh, I'll shameless plug there for whoever's running that account. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of surprise teams. I, I think uh, 18, and, 18 and Cracked today took like four, they went four and mm-hmm. one against LA Thieves that I saw. It's like, okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that, but is um, that indictment on thieves or are they really good? Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, was thieves just off, you know, they're mm-hmm. pinging bad from LA or something or what's the deal. Um, but yeah, I, um, 
you know, Florida, like we said, we're, we're not, I think just like last week we were like, yeah, we're not really excited about Florida. Yeah. Whatever. Um, and then we hear that they're playing good in scrims or that, you know, at least optic scump thinks that, uh, Florida is a tough, a tough matchup. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's hyping me up for Florida a little bit. I don't know. I mean, maybe scump's just trolling. It is the optic podcast. Um, yeah, it didn't seem like he was trolling. And I will say another part to add to that is he talked about how like he was trying to explain to formal how it is to play the game because obviously like formal mentioned like when he's like you know i haven't watched a lot but when i watch the game it seems like there's no logic to it is what he said it's just and scum's like yeah it's squad spawn so there really isn't basically what you do is you hit the hill once you get the kills on the hill you have your three guys spread out as far as possible to cover as much of the map and spawn kill and you basically kill horror and then formal's like oh that's got to be so annoying to play and he mentioned that like yeah him and Shotzi are going negative seven plus every map because the ars are so overpowered with just getting the spawn kills and stuff and he's like yeah the subs are going negative on every team pretty much and the ars are frying which led me to believe like okay maybe that's why like florida's really good because they maybe have like skies and dave patey just frying because they have two good main ars so maybe that's like the case or something that's kind of where my brain went to uh because they've basically been saying that ars are dominating and respawn uh so yeah interesting to to hear that they also said it's pretty much hell scrimming because all you're doing is playing all five of the hard points and then you switch sides and play them on the opposite side because there's no control (laughs) scrim so you're just constantly head bashing in hard point which is interesting to hear the other thing though from these scrims is scump as of like a few days ago whenever this podcast was recorded said that toronto is just reportedly not scrimming um, maybe because he said like it's because there's no third game mode so they're just not scrimming apparently this is really weird to hear because the last time we heard something like this was mw at least in my mind last time we heard something like this was mw when aches basically like got his team to just not scrim earlier in the game because they're like squad spawns what is this this is going to get changed they're going to change the game so we don't have to scrim on this because we don't want to scrim on they an report- old build they- of the game they were <laughs> reportedly told that things were going to change too yeah and they were like yeah we're just not going to scrim because the game's going to change so like we saw how LAG did in Modern Warfare. You know, it wasn't wasn't the most successful year for them. So this is, I don't know, maybe they just haven't been scrimming optics, so they haven't seen them scrim, but they have, like, the full page of, like, who everyone's scrimming, and it, it'd be really shocking to me if Toronto's just not scrimming at all. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, who knows exactly what the reasoning is. Maybe Toronto guys went home or something for, yeah. you know, they had to go back to, like, to the EU for... uh for you know the holiday or whatever and they just haven't been scrimming or they took a vacation or something but uh i'd be really surprised if a team made the same mistake as lag again um especially that team you think they'd be one of the most motivated and they just hung it up for however many weeks until kickoff um or whatever their plan is i'm not sure but uh i'm not gonna read too much into that uh i think Mm -hmm. toronto as an org is too they're too smart to make this mistake especially in year three and coming off of uh you know a consensus top two top three finish in the in cold war um i think they're way too smart to fall into the the trap of like oh you know we're you know somebody somebody at activision said that they're gonna change everything about the game so pointless to scrim you know hey we're going from uh you know they said that you know vanguard is just a joke and we're gonna go to jetpacks in a week or something like that's not gonna happen so i wish um, yeah but i mean like you know (laughs) or like 
I, I think it's kind of foolish to think that, you know, something is going to change and revolutionize oh, how you scrim. Uh, the gunplay is probably still going to be the same. The engine is the same, so you should be playing on the engine, if nothing else. Yeah, um, just to get your mechanics down. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like I said, but uh, but I said, I'm not going to read too much into Toronto. Like, maybe in a week, if we still hear, like, if it becomes really, like, apparent and public knowledge that they're just, like, hanging it up and not scrimming or something, then maybe I'll get a little bit, like, oh, what what the heck's going on? But, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it could be something just they took a couple weeks off or something, like you said. But if we still hear, like, maybe in a few weeks that they're not scrimmaging, I'm going to get concerned because this is a team that doesn't seem like they would by any means be like hanging it up or like just not practicing. Cause they always seem like a very motivated team that understands they're like, that's what their team was built on was the teamwork and the hard work of like studying VOD and everything and being so prepared. So I'd be shocked if that was the case. And Marky B seems like he would not let that happen as a coach. Um, last thing we really had for today before we kind of get into our down bad sports moment and wrap things up was Odds to win the kickoff classic were released. Uh, the betting odds via Bet365. Um, there were some initial odds that were released uh, the night of January 2nd. And then they shifted about as of six hours ago. So they shifted today. They aren't like super shifted. I mean, the main things that they see was when they first came out yesterday, phase was number one and optic was number two. Uh, the update as of today, optic has now shifted to the number one odds to win, which is interesting. Most of the other positions of people, maybe the numbers have changed, but the positions are relatively the same. Uh, the other big riser, I'm not even going to say this one. Cause I kind of, I didn't say this to you when we were talking about it before. I want to actually like hear the shock factor that you get when you hear this. I think, I think we might have a Kyle Rage segment when you hear this. Um, but a couple people have moved. Boston really jumped up in the new ones. But I'll, I'll read them from, from the lowest odds to the top. Uh, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts because I think, I think we might get you a little angry when you hear one of them. Uh, okay. But we've got Legion, last place. I don't think it's a shock. I think no. they just have them listed at like 101. I think, I think they're just mean like 101 to 1 odds. Okay. Uh, so Legion are last. That's not a shock. Ravens are second to last at sixty-seven to one. You know, I'm a big Ravens fan, but I, I can see the logic behind that. Uh, they're pretty unproven. Then we've got. I think I'll just read through them, then we can react to it. Uh, we've got Mutineers at fifty-one to one, and Minnesota are both at twenty-six to one. Surge at twenty-one to one. This is where I thought we might get a little rage from you. The Surge are ahead of the Rocker. Hmm. Uh, Gorillas at 17 to 1, Subliners at 13 to 1, Thieves 11 to 1, Ultra 7 to 1, Phase 2.75 to 1, and then Optic 2.5 to 1. So, pretty interesting that I, I mean, I would assume if odds have shifted, it's probably because there were so many bets on Optic, because obviously there's a lot of Optic fans. They probably had the most bets on them. But I think it's pretty interesting that, first of all, Legion's odds are so much worse than the next. Uh, like lowest team, which is interesting because usually you don't see that big of a gap. And also pretty interesting to me that Surge are ahead of Rocker. I just noticed that as I started to read this again, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is kind of this is interesting, I guess, to say the least. Um, this is a single elimination uh, bracket tournament. So, um, yeah, it's going to be some RNG. Uh, you know where you fall on the bracket. You know how is the bracket going to be drawn? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not too upset about 
rocker. I'd rather uh, you know start slow and finish strong. Um, mm-hmm. Since you you did declare them, uh, they are my team now. So I, yeah. I will I will embrace that. Um, <laughs> but I I will refer to them as we from henceforth. All right, um, I like it. <laughs> so anyway, um, not too concerned about uh, not too concerned about us though. I think uh, I think we'll be pretty strong uh, in the in the middle to late part of the year. Uh, I, I think everyone would expect that as well. Um, yeah. I'm surprised to see LAG so high and LA Thieves as well. I mean, I'm uh, surprised that Thieves are ahead of subliners. Yeah, that's I would think that the clear cut. I don't really know. I, I mean, I personally think Faze should still be the number one odds. I think until we see Faze not be number one, we have to just assume they're number one. I don't think Optic should be ahead of Faze. Uh, even if Optic is looking better in scrims, unless like Faze is just looking horrible in scrims, but that's just literally not possible for them to look horrible with those caliber of players. Like they're always going to be in contention unless something is seriously wrong. Like I, I do think Face has to be one. Uh, I can see Optic being two. Yeah, I can see Ultra being three. But to me, I feel like Subliner is just with Crib and Clay. When when you're going off such random like rankings and you just have no idea where players are, I feel like you gotta bet on Crib and Clay being a little higher. I guess, in, at least in my mind, I think it's I think it's very weird that Subliners are behind thieves uh I, I still think the most i agree gorillas being that high is shocking i th- i think surge being that high at 21 like pretty yeah. decently ahead of rocker is i thought you were going to be very upset about it i'm pretty upset about it i just don't know how surge are ahead of rocker i feel like once again you have to go with the more steady safe teams when it's the first event and you just don't know and to me i don't know why the rocker aren't ahead of them because they do seem like the more steady you know like safe team like if if you were had to place a bet right now on who you think is going to finish higher in terms of a first event i would think that you'd probably put your money on rocker over surge yeah definitely um yeah this is also a land tournament as well mm-hmm. um so you, you kind of also bet with like the proven uh talent on land and who's able to cope with like a crowd and just all that you know all the intangible factors that go into and this would be uh, those half players update in the coming weeks uh leading up to the um leading up to the kickoff classic uh because i i do think that you know just based on where the money is going that will drive a lot of the uh the money lines and stuff but you know i first of all i'd like to see who's who's making this betting line first of all like i don't know this is absurd uh just where some of these teams fell uh yeah i mean like screw it i i'd put a little money down on the ravens to make a run at such long odds just because like it's insane how much longer odds some of those lower teams are like like I get that Optic and Phase are a lot better than Legion, but it's pretty crazy that it's like two to one odds basically for Optic and Phase and a hundred to one odds for Legion. Like that's pretty absurd that they're that big of a difference. I get that they probably should be, but that's just it's just wild to look at. Yeah, if if there was a bunch of like, you know, if you could like parlay teams into like uh, you know, I, I I'd take I would take um Ravens to to top four. I'd put a little bit of money on that. Yeah, at that long of odds, yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, just kind of, you know, a uh, speculative uh, wager there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure, um, you know, where the where this book is. This a reputable like esports 
sports book or I mean, you know, odds yeah, maker or something or bet 365 of the 400,000 followers on Twitter verified they've been around for mm. like all esports. I think they're like there's like midnight. I know that does betting for esports too. I'm pretty sure bet 365 is like based in EU or something. I'm, I'm okay. not fully sure because I think it's like technically illegal to it is at least illegal in like and I'm in Wisconsin. It's still sports betting is still technically illegal here, but I know I think it's based in the EU and it, I mean, it's pretty reputable. They have a, a lot of followers. They're verified. I know they've been doing call of duty since at least I remember them being around MW. Uh, they could be even earlier. I'm not fully sure, but one of the thing I'm actually just noticing here that I wanted to mention in these odds, Ravens jumps from 81 to 67 in this last one. And I know Boston, like I said, they were 26 out with the rocker in that initial one from yesterday to today, they went from 67 to one to 26 to one. That is a huge jump. Uh, like and them being favored a lot more. They went from 67 to one to 26 to one in one day. Everybody else was like, like Florida was the same. Legion was the same. Ravens had that small jump. Uh, Rocker was the same. Surge went up a little bit. Gorilla is the same. Subline is pretty much the same. And then like Thieves, Ultra, Optic Phase, all the same. Except like the one that moved was uh, Boston went from 67 to one odds to 26 to one. That's pretty, that's pretty absurd. People must be really liking what they've seen out of Boston on the Scrimtail page. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's uh, Optic Scump saying that you know Boston's a tough matchup. Yeah, he's influencing all the bets. I know. I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It'll be fun to see. Uh, I'm more concerned about getting a third, a viable third game mode, and then yeah, uh, and then making my predictions or my my wagers that way. You know, put a couple units here, a couple units there. Um, yeah, but. <laughs> kind of funny to see how the the lines just move willy nilly. Like I don't know, and they're they're going to be so much more unpredictable now because obviously we don't have as much intel, and they'll start to settle down as we actually like get to know our teams a little more and where they're at. But uh, we're going to be discussing our predictions for that kickoff classic and the season in general in two weeks from now. We'll have this episode, another episode, and then two weeks from now we'll be discussing our our full predictions for that kickoff classic as well as the season as a whole. We're going to do like a one episode special where we do our early predictions. Obviously we'll probably go back and revisit them and see how accurate we are. And then as we go through the season, we'll do more updated predictions as we see stuff, but we're going to do like a season long predictions episodes. And that'll, we've talked about that might be one of our longest episodes ever. Cause we're going to really deep dive and do our research and really kind of dive into things. So that'll be a fun one before we wrap up this though, we can get into our down bad sports moment of the week. I think you all know where I'm going. So I might go first this week. I think you might all know where Kyle's going to pretty predictable week for us. Uh, on my side, I did end up winning my fantasy football championship in my, oh, my league that I'm in for the most screw money you. because uh, I had Jamar Chase <laughs> and he put up. I'm in a league where you get bonus points for for big plays like long touchdowns. And I think if you watch football, you saw that Jamar Chase had multiple 70 yard touchdowns this week. He scored me 65 points uh, and I put up like a total of of 130 or 140 and then i have chubb going tonight so like i didn't even have that good of a week but jamar chase scored me 65 points which is enough for me to win my fantasy football league but that's a good moment a bad moment was i mean my god the colts looked horrible this week they looked so sloppy on the bright side they looked that bad and they still only lost to a game-winning field goal and thankfully the ravens blew it so all the colts have to do this week is beat the 2 and 14 jaguars who they haven't beat in jacksonville since 2014 uh and that's where they're going. So that's a little shaky. It is a division rival, so you never know. I, I'm I'm going to be honest. 
I'm pretty nervous because it's pretty much almost a lose-lose situation. Like, you know, if they win, you're supposed to beat Jacksonville, but if they lose, it's going to be pretty embarrassing that they lost to the 2-14 and 14 Jags. I mean, the Jags went 1-15 last year, and their only win was against the Colts in Week 1. So we haven't been able to beat them in Jacksonville recently. Uh, I did see a weird scenario today, though. I don't know if you saw this. That technically, I mean, I think they're going to move the the Raiders Chargers since it's a play-in game. They're going to move that to Sunday night, I think. And the Colts are going to be at noon. Technically, if the Colts lose to the Jags, uh, all the Raiders and Chargers have to do to get into the playoffs is tie. And then they both get in. So there's like this interesting scenario. People are talking about that if the Colts lose in uh, Jacksonville, will the Raiders and Chargers just knee the entire game out? So it's zero zero and they both huh. run the risk of not missing the playoffs. Cause I think if the Colts lose and like the Ravens win or like the Steelers win or something weird happens, then the winner or the, the loser of the Raiders chargers game misses the playoffs completely. So they're talking about the possibility that if the Colts lose to the Jags, that both teams would just knee out the entire game and take a tie and make the playoffs. I don't think that would ever happen. Cause I think the NFL wouldn't let it happen, but it's kind of funny to think about that. Like they could just knee it out and, they both make the playoffs because it usually never happens where like if a team ties each other at the end, they both make it. That really never happens, but the NFL has been crazy this year. But yeah, I was really sad because I wanted to see the Colts lock it up and maybe be able to rest some starters this last week uh, because their seeding would pretty much be locked. Uh, what makes it even worse is they're most likely to get the seven seed unless like a, a different game goes their way. And right now the seven seed would play the Chiefs who, I mean, if you're not a big football fan, Chiefs are probably the best team in the AFC. So the Colts would have a very tough draw, but I know you're going to be cheering against my team this week because if the Jags win, the Lions most likely get the number one pick. So we've got you against me. Uh, we've got everybody just against us. But where your where's your head at for down bad sports moment of the week? Uh, New Year's Eve. Um, it was a bit, it was tough for being a a Michigan football fan. <laughs> um, you know, Michigan historically uh, a great football program. Yeah, but they they've fallen on a hard, de- uh, you know, a hard two decades of competing. They've been outclassed by Ohio State. They're you know supposed to be their biggest rival. They've been outclassed by Michigan State, their in-state rival, uh, who I would argue is more of a rival now than Ohio State is. Um, but uh, you know, finally had all the all the pieces come together. Um, they had a really good team all around. They made it to the college football playoff, and lo and behold, they are playing Georgia Bulldogs. And mm-hmm. you know, this game is the it's the primetime college football semifinal game. So this is for the winner goes to play Alabama in the national championship, who Alabama just trounced Cincinnati earlier in the day. That was like the the shoe in game uh but this game was supposed to be you know everyone was hyping it up it was supposed to be michigan coming out and uh proving the national media wrong and winning and uh you know from the first drive that georgia had it just went it was it just looked bad for michigan it looked like they had it, they they couldn't answer um what georgia was dishing out michigan had relied mostly on their run game all year um with Corum and Haskins, but, uh, you know, that got shut down. Uh, Cade McNamara looked less than ideal. Uh, just, you know, they weren't, they didn't have any answer on the offensive side. They were just getting run up and down the field. Um, (laughs) so yeah, I mean, it was, it was a bitter disappointment. Um, but 
it's almost better to lose that way. And I was telling you this in uh, on Twitter. It was almost better to lose that way than hundred uh, percent to have it be a close game all the way, and then Michigan just gets daggered in the heart at the very end. Um, but you know, it's something to be hopeful about. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, with the with the state of college football, any player that's worth anything goes to the NFL draft. So you have to keep recycling talent in and out. Um, to stay relevant and that's what the the good the, that's that's what the great teams do so well is they recruit nationally and they just keep the talent coming in so they don't really have to go through rebuilding years or off years um and i don't know so it's on michigan now to keep up the recruiting uh and to to stay relevant and uh prove that you know some team can beat an sec team in the champion in in the playoffs so uh you know i don't know uh a little bit down bad about that um but you know i i'm not like i'm not catastrophically down bad uh just a little bit disappointment to uh to show you know to show your ass on national television like michigan did so uh yeah so that's what i'm down bad about it is so much easier though in sports to tolerate a blowout loss than is a close loss because like when it's a blow, it's just like you know what they were better than us. We just didn't play well. Maybe they were just a better team. But like when it's a close loss, you think about well, all the little ways your team could have like oh we could have won it this way, could have won it that way. But like the one I always go back to is Deflate Gate ASC Championship. Going to that game, I was just happy the Colts were in it because like I mean they weren't expected to get there that year, and they were there, and they're playing the big bad Patriots and Tom Brady in the middle of their dynasty. So like. You didn't expect them to win, and then they get blown out. It's like, okay, you know, I kind of expected this. It's not that heartbreaking, but, like, if they would have been in that game uh, and, like, lost off a game-winning field goal or, like, a game-winning drive, it'd be like, man, they were so close to pulling the upset, and it's, like, so much more heartbreaking. But, yeah, like you said, if somebody gets blown out, it's kind of like you see it coming the whole game, and, like, by the end of the first quarter when they're getting blown out, you've had time to kind of process it and, like, almost accept it already before it's over. So I can kind of get behind that. You got anything else to to wrap up? before I get out of here and I mean you were mad that I won my fantasy football championship but I'm hyped because I'm I in this league I've got a couple I think I don't remember what the prize is a few hundred dollars or something okay. to win which is is cool but this guy that runs it runs two 10 team leagues uh and then the winner of each 10 team league plays each other in like what he calls like the Super Bowl like these are like the conference championships and then we like play for like an extra like four or five hundred dollars for uh the Super Bowl, he calls it. So I have to play like the winner of a different league next week now. So I could right. have a chance to win a bunch of bonus money. So I'm pretty excited for that. And most of my players are all players that are on teams that are like either fighting to get into the playoffs or still fighting for a seating. So they're all going to play. Uh, I don't know if Jamar Chase is going to score me 65 again next week, but that would sure help. But I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, both of my teams, I only play in two leagues, but uh, was eliminated in both. Um, but <laughs> happened, but both my both my teams happened to score the most in uh, the entire league this this uh, this week. So that um, always is how it goes. It seems like a little bit salty. Uh, <laughs> you know, I like to say that I'm you know I'm finally rounding into a legitimate fantasy contender, especially in my my one league where I uh, missed the playoffs altogether, but then. Um, really had a uh a second wind of life with uh <laughs> consolation pl- reaper uh, yeah well a couple <laughs> player yeah we didn't we didn't even have a consolation it's just like you just get seated i think based on end of the season standings oh um, yeah for the final standings but uh luckily i avoided the the last place penalty of having to uh 
pay the um pay the entry fee for the winner for next season so hmm. uh, sa- saved saved a little bit of change there there um, you go but yeah so fantasy is always gonna have me down bad i'm never gonna i i, I don't think i'm ever gonna win i don't think the lions are ever gonna win uh, <laughs> football is just not your thing but, but i might not win but i keep torturing myself every year so <laughs> yeah. hey it's all for the fun of it eventually you're gonna win one time it's gonna be so sweet but like nade shot who's the fool now <laughs> true all right you ready for me to wrap it up and then we can get out yeah. of here and start preparing for next week all right that's gonna do it for this one we really appreciate you guys watching as we always say because we really do uh if you're watching on youtube obviously be sure to leave a like comment down below and subscribe to the channel we're looking to continue to grow as we head into the season uh, we're talking about a lot of potential upgrades i got some fantasy football winnings coming we might he having a PC on the way. We're both currently working off laptops and not the highest level equipment. We might have some upgrades coming soon. So some maybe potential upgrades to the podcast coming as well. Hopefully sometime during this season, uh, hopefully in the next few months. Oh man, if you're on the audio platforms, we'd appreciate if you dropped a follow on there. There's been a lot of traction on the audio platforms. We've been seeing kind of a lot of growth and interaction on there, which is awesome to see because that's the way I consume a lot of my podcasts. Like I've said before, uh, when I don't have as much time, kind of click in while I'm on the road, maybe in the car listening on the way to work or just when I'm driving anywhere. So, I mean, to me, an awesome way to consume a podcast. So if you're on there, we'd appreciate if you dropped a follow uh, or left a review if you're able to on the platform you're listening. goes a long way for us, but we really appreciate you guys watching. Obviously, the support always goes a long way. It's It helps keep you motivated to continue to make podcasts in the off season when there just isn't as much content just readily available to you. But we appreciate all the support. That's going to do it for this one. We'll be back at you next week with probably an episode discussing news and uh we have a couple segment ideas we'll maybe get to that maybe we'll ask you guys on twitter if you have anything in mind and then the week after that we get into a full-blown predictions episode so be on the lookout for those two the next couple weeks uh before we get into the season so thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you in the next one